stale gospel tracts, knocking on doors, constantly getting rejection, get spit in the face. Has anyone here ever been physically assaulted in the tracks? Did you? No? I must be one of the lucky few. I got decked down in Palmerston North, literally laid out on the ground for handing out a gospel tract. Um, and I took myself up here for that, but the fact is, there is physical and there is uh, spiritual attacks as we give out the gospel. Our goal is to see souls saved, but it's his job to do the saving. And if we're not careful, we then will start changing the plan of salvation, redefining repentance, removing repentance, removing some form of something, jumping straight to the end of the plan of salvation. Just say a prayer and you're going to be saved today. All because this became heavy. Your man, the man over you right now, and now you've got four teams, you've got a man individually over every one of you that through this weekend is going to be holding forth the word of life. As his arms get weak, and they're going to, he's in the flesh. Some leaders here, you're going to be less, uh, have less physical aptitude. I mean, if they put me in charge of a team right now, I couldn't run, I couldn't jump, my foot couldn't handle it, my back can now, thank God for that, the pain's gone, but I couldn't do it physically. So you've got someone, whether you like it or not, the person who has been put over you in your team, red, yellow, blue, and green, whoever that person is, whether you like it or not, you don't have an option to jump ship and go to another team. That's not your choice. You're put where you're at in this church right here. Remember, you say Sunshine Independent Baptist Church. <laughs> Mount Zion, Bible Baptist Church. You do not have a choice. God puts you right here under this man right here. You may not like something. You may not like uh, where it's a tie, where it's uh, pants, dresses the way he does on a constant basis, or whatever it might be in his life. Whatever it is, you may think, boy, that's a little bit overboard. I, I, I think I can bring in something from my past life, blend it in with the new life. I don't like this man, but since he's not going to change, I'm going to move on to the next church. I'm going to go somewhere else and do something else. You can't do that. You don't have that option. Take that illustration from the team you're on right now. The moment that you're allowed by, I don't want to call him God, but he is the one in charge of all the teams right here. The moment he says you can jump from one team to another is the only time you can do that. And God will do that. God, it's his business whether he takes you and puts you in another location, called to be a missionary, called to be a pastor. God may know that there's another church here in New Zealand. You've moved and you've moved on. And God is the one that did the moving from one team to another. You don't have that option to do just because you don't like the flesh of the man of God that's there. Or he doesn't quite have that same intellectual knowledge. He didn't have Greek and Hebrew and theologian, theologian. He hasn't had a Bible degree. And you start listing all these things where Praise God doesn't want to call that man to be you, Then you're telling God that he's wrong. Is he really wrong? Not at all. So we have, an, we have an obligation when the man of God becomes weak. And I guarantee you, your man of God will become weak, both in spirit and in flesh. He's battling the same thing you have. Your job is to come up alongside and prop up his arms. Help him to hold forth that word of life. And that's where our message is going to be this morning in Exodus chapter number 17. The title is going to be, just jumping off of Philippians chapter number 2, is Holding Forth Your Pastor. And if you want to bring it down to where you are right now, holding forth your leader in whatever team you are in, in the next two days, holding forth your leader. In Exodus 17, verse 8 through 13, we had already went over the context of Philippians 2, 16. Remember, 
your job, holding forth the word of life. Your pastor's job is to run and labor as he leads you. And he, of course, is going to be holding forth the word of life as well. So in Hebrew, when we were in Hebrews 13, 17, you are to remember your pastor, that he's nothing but the same flesh you are, and support him to hold up exactly what you're supposed to be holding up as well. And that is the word of life. So your pastor needs an Aaron, and your pastor needs a Hur, an Aaron and a Hur. So it's all about teamwork. Um, this morning in our group devotion, very fitting devotion, in Hebrews chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter number 11, Verse 33 through 36. When you hit Romans chapter number 12, a lot of times we pause just on verse number 1 and verse number 2, which is an individual aspect of what we need to do as a born again believer. Um, I don't want to quote them, I'll get them wrong. So give me just a second, real quick. In Romans chapter number 12, keep your thumb in Exodus. My mind is wandering already. Um, I won't take too much time. I know I've got about an hour. But I'm going to take that anyway, because game time starts at 10.30. But verse number 1 and 2, this here um, is you individually. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You become born again, you've got baggage from your old life. God here tells you how to get rid of that baggage from your old life. You now have to give yourself as a living sacrifice. You have to not be conformed to that old life. Don't try and justify your new life in Christ by the old life that you lived in the flesh that you still live in. So you're not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can prove that perfect will of God. But it does not end there. Remember, the context of Philippians chapter number 2, verse 16, is one word, teamwork. Teamwork. It takes Moses, Aaron, uh, her, and all of the children of Israel. It takes Pastor Kudilla, all of your team leaders, your music leader, your uh, Sunday school teachers, your deacons, your trustees, and all the soldiers to be able to hold forth this word of life here in Auckland that desperately needs it. Same thing with Romans chapter number 12. Oh, just close. I needed to read another verse. <laughs> Romans chapter number 12. Romans 12 does not end at verse number 1 and, one and 2, and that's obvious. But what the context of Romans chapter number 12 is, is teamwork, because you individually, once you become born again, you don't get to just wander about in this world, do your own thing, go where you want to do, and do what you want to do. God has called you unto salvation. You're born again. Now he calls you into this team right here. Look at verse number uh, verse number five. Uh, verse number verse number five in Romans 12. It says, So we it went from you individually, verse 1 and 2, having to get yourself from that old life mentality into the new life that Christ gave unto you. Get rid of the old. Don't be conformed to the world, but be now transformed. And now the whole purpose of that, verse number 5, so we being many are what? One. Remember yesterday I said, I know that, that as a body of Christ, the whole body of Christ, as we are born again believers, we are one in Christ. We are a body in Christ. Well, you are also one local New Testament church here. Um, and you now, it's like a marriage. You guys are here, whether you like it or not. God has put you here. You now become one and you go forward as one. So we, being many, are one body, one body in Christ and every one member is one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophesying, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, 
let us wait on our ministry, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that rolleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, love, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. We'll stop right there, but it goes on and on. Do you get the picture of Romans chapter number 12? Romans chapter number 12, verse 1 and 2, is about the individual that you being born again, Coming from that old life into your new life, don't be conformed to this world, to that old way, the old life. Don't justify the old life into the new life. Be completely transformed. And the whole purpose is you join a team to hold forth the word of life and do a job. Everyone here has a gift that God has given unto you. You are given a spiritual gift to serve God here in this local New Testament church. And now you need to go forward and you need to go forward and doing it. And that is where the context of Philippians 2 and verse number 16 comes down to you holding forth the word of life. But you do it so he can be rejoicing. So he holds forth the word of life. He's the one leading and guiding as God called Moses. You remember Moses told God, sorry, I can't do this. I stutter. I, the people aren't going to listen to me. He had every excuse in the world, and I guarantee you, any man of God that's been called to stand up here, the butterflies are still here every time I stand up. Every time we go to lead and the decisions that we have to make, we turn to God and say, why me? There's other people more qualified sitting here than I am. But God chose the man to be here, and then he chose you to hold him up as you hold forth the word of life, that he can go forward, and then souls can be saved, and God can be honored, and he can be glorified. So here in Exodus chapter number 17, go back there with me now. Just in the context of Exodus 17, this is the first battle that Israel faces as they're uh, journeying to the, to the promised land. Um, it was totally unprovoked. You ever have an unprovoked battle with the world? Just because they know that you became a born-again believer, or as they would say it, you found J.C., <laughs> you found Jesus, you found God, you found religion. They know, you, they know where you are today, whether you told them or not. They know where you are on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, whether you announce it to them or not. So an unprovoked attack comes your way. They start to probe the old life and use that attention to the old life to get you out of the new life, back to the, that old life. That is what's happening here in Exodus 17. Total unprovoked attack by Amalek. Amalek. God promised now to eliminate Amalek from the face of the earth, and he's going to do that later on. But God has a lesson for Israel right here. The lesson that we need here today is that one word, teamwork. To hold forth the word of life, one man can't do it. It's not a one-man show. Two people can't do it. Aaron and Aaron Moses, three people couldn't do it because it required every soldier on the battlefield doing their job. So the, 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 the context of the lesson is teamwork. In verse number 9, God will not let the battle be won by the soldiers only. You, as a soldier, you cannot do the work of this church without the man and without his errand and without his hurt. And equally on the other side, verse 9 says, Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with the rod of God in my hand. Moses knew they could not win the battle by holding that rod up. 
that rod was not going to be a, 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 a lightsaber or some lightning rod. It wasn't going to sit there and just blast out the battlefield. It was there. He would hold it up an encouragement to those on the battlefield, but it required the soldiers to be out there fighting. God's man had, had to be helped to hold up his staff. In verse number 11, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed, and when he let it down, Amalek prevailed. So there had to be something to help the man of God because his strength was starting to fail. And he was dropping it, and when it started to drop, the cheering went down, the spirit was lost, the battle was going down, Amalek now was starting to prevail over them. Verse number 12, God's right-hand men had to hold up his staff. In verse 12 it says, But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon, and Aaron and Ur stayed up his hands, and one on the one side, and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. He couldn't do it by himself. He had to be propped up, and then he could do it till the going down of the sun. But the battle was won when everyone did their part. Look at verse 13. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Where was Joshua at? In the field. Aaron, Ur, Moses, they were up there doing the, the, not the grunt work, but they were doing the work necessary to lead and encourage and keep the spirit driving forward. But Joshua was down there slicing and dicing. He was down there with the sword with all of the soldiers, so the battle could not be won until everyone was doing their part. Romans chapter number 12, you individually have to give yourself a living sacrifice. You have to make sure you're not conformed to this world. Make sure that you are, are transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you individually will know the perfect will of God, that you're sitting in the right place that God wants you. Once you are here by the grace of God, in verse number 3 and verse number 4 in Romans chapter 12, by the grace of God, you now are planted in, and God's given you gifts to serve Him right here. And that's where verse 5 through 13 comes into play. God has a job for you, but the job cannot be done until first you're born again, second, you have been transformed by the renewing of your mind, and third, you have gotten in, not just being here, remember that was one of my points last night, you can be present and accounted for, but never really be here. Yep. You can be enjoying the padded pew, enjoying the services, yep. or you just don't want to be here today. I don't want to get up and go to camp today. I'll come Sunday morning, but not Sunday night. Wednesday night, I can't get there. I work late. I can come up with every reason or every excuse in the world not to be where God has put you at. You're yep. not present and accounted for. You're not here at all. And by the way, I don't know if I gave this illustration to you. There are good reasons not to be in the house of God. We've seen a lot over the past couple of years, but there's never a good excuse. There's two men that were on their way to church. Imagine if this is possible. They have the exact same car. Probably an eight-cylinder. American. Big. Uh, same car. Uh, they have the exact same amount of gas in their or petrol, sorry. Uh, petrol in their tank. And they have their tires are worn exactly the same. They're threadbare. You ever see a threadbare tire? They're, they're just red. You're, you're just waiting for it to pop. Everything is exactly the same. Pastor gets two phone calls that morning on the way to church as he got to church. One man calls. He says, Pastor, I can't make it into church today. I went out to my car. My petrol is a little bit low. The engine didn't sound right. And I saw my tires were threadbare, so I didn't want to take the chance of getting out on the road. So I decided to stay home. Pastor was like, okay, we're going to miss you today. We really needed you to teach that Sunday school class, to hold my arms up and do the work, but we'll make it without you. 
the second man called. And when he called, he said to the pastor, Pastor, I got out to my car today. Uh, petrol was a little bit low. The engine didn't sound good. The tires were threadbare. But I got in the car and I headed to church. I'm halfway there right now and I had a blowout. And I can't make it into church today. Neither one of them got to church. Had exact same situation, same car, same amount of petrol, same amount of threadbare tires. One was on his way. He did his job to try and get to church. One was an excuse. The other was a reason. He couldn't get there. He blew out a tire. We don't need excuses in the house of God. There are good reasons. We live in a society where husbands and wife have to work. Sometimes the kids too have to work as well. Uh, you have to have a job. Jobs are going to interfere with the house of God. Uh, different situations, work and everything. There is a reason. But if you wake up tomorrow, <laughs> try to go call pastor. I'm afraid I might accidentally catch COVID, so I don't want to come to church tonight. Or someone calls and says, I just had a test and I had COVID. I don't want to infect nobody come tonight. We don't need excuses in the Amen. house of God. God doesn't need excuses. He saved you by His precious blood. What He went through on the cross at Calvary, His body literally mutilated. He walked in your flesh. You know what it's like when you just get a paper cut. Now imagine a cat and nine tails for hours ripping and shredding. And when they would do this, the lictors, what they were called, the Roman soldiers, they were skilled at taking a body right to the verge of death. In the Old Testament, the Bible says in the law that a man could not be whipped beyond 40 lashes. And that's because by 40 lashes, that was considered the point of death. Roman law did not have that. They had men that they were, they were specially trained. If the blood started spitting, they knew what to do to stop the blood, but still mutilate that body. They knew what it meant to take Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our Almighty God, all the way to the point of death, ripping and mutilating His body, His bowels, no doubt, hanging out of His body. The book of uh, uh, the Old Testament tells us His body was literally marred. It was so marred that you could not recognize that He was a man. He did that for you and I. He didn't call in sick when He got a paper cut. He didn't call in sick because he thought he'd have a cold. He might give it to someone else. Amen. There is never a good excuse Amen. not to be in the house of God. There might be a good reason. I don't want anyone to feel bad if you're sick, you have to work, and there's a good reason. Then there is always a good reason not to be here. But far more there are excuse after excuse after excuse when you can be in the house of God. Amen. And when that excuse is there... Your man of God is right here. And guess what? This church is falling and falling and falling because God gave you a job yep. right here. Romans yep. chapter number 12. You've got a gift. What is that gift? Right here. He's the man. Follow his faith. He's here to watch out for your soul. He's here to make sure you don't fall into the strange doctrine, tongues and healings by the hand of men. All of the nonsense is going on in the charismatics and in the world around us today, religion today. You follow this man, you avoid the strange doctrine, find out what the job is God has for you, that you can hold forth the word of life with the man of God. It took everyone, verse number 13, without everyone in the battle, the battle was going to be lost. So, the focus today, it's not going to be on everyone. I want to zoom in on her. Two points. My church kind of cringes. My tell them I only have two points. Used to be they thought, oh, two points, we'll be out in 20 minutes. <laughs> Beware, usually when it's two points, there's a lot more sub-points. We'll get you out on a good time today. But two points I want to look at today. These are very two, very, two very simple characteristics. And if we exhibit these godly characters today, then we can be rejoicing and joyful as we hold forth the word of life. The first point, her. So he's focusing, this is focusing in on her. 
Hers holding forth were by hers holding forth hands. That's it. Hers holding forth hands, because he was holding forth Moses, the man of God. His hands were faithful. Faithful. His hands were faithful. Look in verse 12, Exodus 17. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat therein, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, one on the one side, the other on the other, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Now we see both Aaron and Hur here. Uh, but I'm focusing on her, and you're really going to see it as we get further along, that her had these characteristics that Aaron did not. So her was faithful here in verse 12. He was faithful when the battle began. He was faithful through the battle, and he was there until the battle had ended. Her stayed in his place, no matter what, and his place was alongside Moses. Knowing so little about her, we don't have a lot in the Bible that tells us about her. We're going to look at these couple of these two points, being faithful in the second one. So if you're taking notes, it's honorable. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. But looking at these, what we're going to see is that Ur, catch this real quick. Ur was a common, ordinary servant of God. That's all he was. He was not a superhuman. He was not a super, uh, a super man of God, super spiritual None of us today here are fantastic or flamboyant. None of us here from the pulpit all the way down to the pew, none of us are superheroes. We're not yep. super yep. Uh, super spiritual. Um, we are very common um, here in the house of God. Now, before I go forward, there becomes a warning, a little warning about being common. Common and ordinary. These two are very routine, but these can lead to a danger of slipping away. There are some people out of the house of God, some that may be sitting here that's not doing the work God called you to do because you've just never gotten noticed or you think you can't do the job. You think you're not there. You think you have no value. Everyone has value. Remember in Romans 12, it equated the workers in the church as being the members in a body. You lose a left toe, your pinky toe. You'll find out how much that really helps your balance. But until you lose that pinky toe, you have no clue that it's there. If it gets broken, you just tape it to the one next to it. You go forward. Um, if it stinks a little bit, you scrub it a little bit. You, you never put your pinky toe on display. Nobody knows, I hope, nobody knows what your toes look like today. Uh, mine, my girls get disgusted at the toe fungus, toenail fungus. Oh, you know, you look at someone's feet, and they're probably one of the grossest spots that may be visible to us. They're nothing until it's gone. My foot is ripping today right now with the insert because my foot has been leaning and not walking right on the big toe. You're supposed to walk on the ball of your foot. My insert is helping me and it hurts because it's making me do something. My body says, no, I don't want to do that. I've walked the wrong way for too many years. Without that big toe, you can't walk right. But until that big toe is gone, it's insignificant. You really have no clue. And this is a warning and this is a danger. You may be the big toe or you may be the little toe. You may, be, you may have the simplest job when you come into the house of God of just yep. picking up the sign and putting it out yep. on the street. But the day that you're not there, you don't pick up yep. that sign and put it out on the street. It's the same day God had someone driving down the street ready to commit yep. suicide. Your sign wasn't there to welcome them into the house of God that they could be gloriously saved and yep. maybe become the next D.L. Moody. 
the next great preacher evangelist to travel yep. the world, seeing millions of souls saved, all because little insignificant pinky pinky toe you decided nobody's praising me. I got such an insignificant job. Anybody can put the sign out. Well, guess what? Yep. You weren't there, and everybody expected the sign to be there. Yep. Halfway through the service, they looked out and said, oh, the sign's not there, and nobody else got up to do it. It wasn't their job. They didn't have that passion. The day went on. The preaching went on. We all moved on to the next moment in our life. We have no clue that that person is burning in hell until the day that you will stand yep. at the great white throne of judgment. And that day, all of us as born-again believers... We're going to stand as witnesses with Jesus Christ as those are cast into the lake of fire in Revelation chapter number 20, verse 14 and 15. And as they are cast into the lake of fire, when you get into Revelation chapter number 21, guess what? It is God that wipes away your tears. Why is that? Because I believe we are going to be weeping. We are going to be wailing. We are going to be crying so much that we cannot even control ourselves as we watch our loved ones cast into the lake of fire, as we realize that science should have been out there, but he wasn't here to put it out. I didn't get up off my lazy chair and go out and put it up. They went down and millions of people were being cast into the lake of fire all because of an insignificant little pinky toe that thought they needed to get all the praise, all the honor. They didn't get it. They didn't do their job. Yep. And now we're all weeping as those are cast into the lake of fire. And one day it's going to become significant to all of us how insignificant our job really is. How insignificant our job really is. So that's a warning. Her was a common, common man. You're common. I don't see anyone here that's a DL Moody. I don't see a, a, a flamboyant. I don't see fantastic people. I just see servants of God. Yep. We are all, all equal. We have the same flesh, the yep. same spirit, but we have a mighty job. The, the devil is a liar and he yep. wants to make us believe we're insignificant in the house of God. The world and equally God's work rests on the backs of not heroes, superheroes, but unsung heroes. You ever heard that phrase before? The unsung hero? The unsung hero is that one that did the greatest deed but received little or no recognition for it. But without that person jumping and diving on a grenade in the Vietnam War or World War I, without him diving on that, the D.L. Moody didn't get to survive and go on and be a great, great preacher for God. There are unsung heroes all through this world. There's unsung heroes right here. That little insignificant job makes you the hero in God's eyes, makes you the hero in those that will not be cast into the lake of fire one day yep. because you did your little insignificant job. Yep. That's who her is right here. Societies and the church, we all either rise or crash on the backs of the unsung heroes. Yep. Those that just steadily keep doing the job. Yep. Here every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Here to prop up the arms of the pastor, but I'm still hiding behind the curtains. I'm in the shadows while God has a man of God there to keep pushing forward. Yep. Watching out for the souls of those that God put under them. There are one great theme in the Bible. Look in 1 Corinthians 1. One of the great themes in the Bible, God uses nobodies. God uses nobodies. It is Him that makes you into a somebody to do His work that Amen. somebody can be saved one day. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 16 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But, in verse 27, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things of the mighty, 
and base things. You know what that base thing is? The word base things means the cowards. The cowards. You ever feel like a coward? Yeah. I don't know about you. I'll raise my hand. The man up here still has the cowardly instincts when it comes to the moment of preaching, teaching, yep. soul winning, yep. handing out a gospel track. Boy, i got a lot of things to do this way. I don't have time yep. to stop here for a minute. There's a lot of cowardly events yep. in everyone from the pulpit all the way down. That's what God uses. He wants the cowards, cowards of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen. And yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things, uh, uh, yep. naught things that are that no flesh should glorify in His presence. Paul wrote here that no wise, mighty, noble are called to do the work of God. God chooses to use those that are foolish, those that are weak, those that are basically base cowards to do His mighty work, to do His amazing grace, and do it by the power of God. God's great expectation of you and this team is to be faithful to the work of God. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2 Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Your job is be here, be in your place, and be faithful in the job that God has given to you. This is so common. It is just so common. such an easy job. Why do I need to put out the church sign today? Because no one else is doing it. Everyone else has a job they're called to do. If the man of God had to turn around every time someone wasn't in the house of God and do all of your jobs in order for him to be able to hold forth the word of life, you would probably be 45 minutes late into the service. Imagine if he had to come in, set up all the chairs. He had to come in and set up the sound system. He had to get the speakers together. He had to play the uh, piano. He had to put out the church sign. He had to set up the tea. He had to do all of it. There wouldn't be time for him to hold forth the word of life. Yep. Everyone's got a job, and that job yep. is of utmost significance, though it is just a common job. Yep. And that common job is so needed in the house of God. And yep. in turn, the great goal of a Christian ought to be to hear these words from God. Well done, Amen. good and faithful servant. Well done. You're faithful where God called you to be. You're not going to get any greater rewards for doing one little insignificant job than a D.L. Moody that led millions to the Lord. You're, now I preached on the, the gifts of the Spirit. And the one thing, the one, how you are rewarded according to what you do for God is that you reach 100% of your potential. That you are 100% faithful to God. If God has in your lifetime only one, two, or three souls to be saved... You are faithful to hand out thousands of tracts till you meet those one or two or three or four people. You are being rewarded for those souls saved just as much as the D.L. Moody that led millions to the Lord. Because God had to whom much is given, much is required. He got much. He had much. There was a bigger requirement. Your pastor has a bigger requirement. You may be that little pinky toe. But imagine if all of eternity, all of your rewards for all of eternity is all based upon the fact that you just put the sign out. That's it. Or all that you did was you were faithful in every service and you put the chairs out. If you didn't have chairs out, everyone would be Indian style. Everyone would be on the ground. The job is very significant. God's called you to a job. And when you do that job faithfully, he said in verse number 2, 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, just doing a job that God gave you. This is a, the, this faithful characteristic trait is not something that can be faked. You cannot fake it till you make it. You're either here yep. or you're not. Yep. Or you'll make it for a little while and then you're gone. You've seen how many have come through this church here that was came in like a flashbang. Where yep. are they at today? 
Yep. They came in all fired up, but where are they at today? Yep. It's not what being faithful is about. Faithfulness cannot be fake. It cannot be purchased. It's a testimony earned by earned as you are faithful, a lifelong faithfulness to God in the house of God. So as a believer, faithful ought to be your life goal. Faithful. And that's who her was. Her was faithful all the way to the end and going down to the sun. He was wholehearted. No, he wasn't down there slicing and dicing. He didn't hold a sword in his hand. He did not take one life of any of the enemy. His job was just simply to be the right-hand man, to hold up the hand of the man of God. He was wholehearted all the way to the end and faithful to, to God to the very end. He held up his hands to the going down of the sun. And he will hear one day, if he hasn't heard already, well done, good and faithful servant. That ought to be our job, that we hear from God, well done, not from the man of God. If you only serve as long as you're getting pat on the back, <laughs> my arms don't reach, you're going to fail. Because guess what? The pat on the back is guided by the flesh. Yep. And your pastor is in the flesh today. Yep. And that flesh is not always going to remember, though we try our best. And we've tried yep. our best to make sure that we acknowledge anyone that's done a job. We try our best because we want to make sure everyone knows that, 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 that the laborer is worth their hire. But guess what? We forget. Yep. And when we forget, if it just blows up in your brain, didn't recognize me today. Yep. The preacher didn't shake my hand today. He didn't call me today. Didn't he know I was having big toe, toenail, hangnail surgery today? He didn't call me today. Yep. I quit. I'm going to go down the street to another church and do my thing down there. That's not what we are to be. We are yep. to be looking for Jesus to say one yep. day, well done, and faithful servant. Amen. We will be found faithful to if we are there till the going down of the sun. Amen. Understand our greatest ability is our dependability. I don't yep. know who said that before. It just rings in my mind. It's not a flamboyant phrase of my own. But the greatest ability is your dependability. The question is, can God depend on you? Can your pastor depend on you? And I'm not talking about just being here. This is a fun camp, fun time. You can endure an hour of preaching and then go out and run and have a good time. I'm talking about that faithful dependability. Sunday school, Sunday morning, yep. Sunday night, Wednesday yep. night, soul winning. Yep. Whatever it might be, you are there unless yep. you have a good reason. Yep. No excuses, a good yep. excuse, but you are there I mean. by your pastor's side. Can he depend upon you? Can this church depend upon you today? Jesus is coming soon. We need to be found more faithful yep. every day than the day before. Hebrews yep. 10 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see that day approaching. What day is that? Day of the Lord, which begins at the rapture. The day of the Lord is going to be 1,007 years long. Day of the Lord all begins with the rapture of Jesus Christ. As we say that, see that day, can I ask, does anyone not see that day approaching? You see it approaching. Every one of us see it approaching. Paul saw it approaching 2,000 years ago. So we need from this day going forward to be more involved. More involved. More here. All around. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. The purpose of being in church. We can exhort one another. That is hold up those arms that become weak. We can help one another through. We then are not going to be doing evil things. We're in the house of God. Read the context around Hebrews chapter number 10. So our first point. Our first point, hers holding forth hands were faithful. Were faithful. The second point, go back to Exodus 30, go to Exodus 31. And this one is important. Important. And I'll buzz through this one quicker than the first point. I'll 
trust you got the point of who Ur is. But now there's a second person involved. What you do in your faithfulness and who you are is going to affect somebody else. Yep. Somebody else is not in the house of God because somebody else That's is right. not here today. That's right. On the flip side, somebody is here today because you are here today. So your service and what you do and you're holding forth up the hands of the word of life, the hands of your leader, the hands of the man that God put under you, put over you, when you do that, you're impacting somebody else. Look at Exodus 31. So holding forth is honorable. First was faithful, and here's why it's honorable. Exodus 31, verse 1 through 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, uh, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of who? Her. We just looked at her. So now God has called her's, her's grandson of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom and an understanding and a knowledge and an all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works and to work in gold and silver and brass and in cutting of stone to set them in carving and timber to work in all manner of workmanship. We have now someone that was impacted by Ur and who Ur was. We're fast forwarding now from Exodus chapter 17 from that battle, the first battle with Amalek to now Bezalel, the grandson of Hur. It is, there, is there any greater blessing, moms and dads today, grandparents, is there any greater blessing today than to see our children and our grandchildren following in our footsteps in the house of God? Amen. Is there any greater blessing? Some parents, they give you a call, my child's not in church today. My child's making this a bad choice today. My child got pregnant. My child had an abortion. My child was in drugs and alcohol. Getting a phone call from someone that's a member or was a member of the church, but we hardly ever see them. They're never in the house of God. They're never doing the work of God. They're never faithful to the house of God. And their unfaithfulness impacted their children yep. because their children didn't see a mom yep. and dad that were there to be yep. conformed, not be conformed to the world. Yep. But mom and dad was transformed by the renewing of their mind, went through Romans chapter number two, two, faithfully laboring in the house of God, but instead mom and dad got offended by the preacher. Yep. His flesh was weak. Yep. He said the wrong thing. He didn't congratulate yep. my little pinky toenail when I did the work I was supposed to be doing. Yep. He didn't do that, so I left the house of God. Yep. I just kind of drift in and out. They impacted their children. Yep. Their children are running with the world because mom and dad were That's right. running with Amen. the world. They put on the show. They were here, present, yep. accounted for, but they never got in. Yep. They never did the work of God. But now on the flip side, the preacher, he has his children laboring in the house of God. So you parents here, you have your children laboring here in the house of God. How does that feel to you today? Amen. Hallelujah. We impact those, and this was honorable. Ur, fast forwarding from Exodus chapter 17, had a grandson that no doubt was watching her back in the battlefield. He saw, uh, Belizeel would have saw uh, Moses' hands get heavy. Instead of Moses failing, looking out upon all the children of Israel, their spirit got dropped down. And as a man of God's arms were falling, here comes Grandpa up alongside, props up that arm. And as soon as he props up that arm, the battle is starting to be won once again. All the way to the going down of the sun. These are our kids. They're watching yep. you today. Yep. They know when you've got that fake excuse. Yep. They know what goes on behind closed doors yep. at your home. And we've all got our 
battles at home. We've all got our families. We got our issues behind closed doors. Yep. But the point is, your children know who yep. you are more than the pastor knows yep. who you are. They see you every day, and That's you right. are impacting them in the direction yep. they go in their life. Here, Ur was no doubt greatly encouraged because his grandson now was following in his footsteps. Thinking back to that battle. While the rest of the camp may have been cheering on to victory with Joshua, Belizeal would have saw his grandfather stepping into the shadows. Stepping, remember, we only hear one or two instances of her. Her was not in the limelight. Her never got congratulated for the victory, though the victory would never have been won if Ur wasn't there holding up an arm. Who is one? God Almighty got the got got the uh, the, the congratulation, got all of the praise. Yep. But it was all through Moses, the man yep. walking in the flesh, leading the children of Israel. Aaron and Her, where are they at? They're in the shadows. This is who Belizeal would have saw. They saw the faithfulness of his grandfather. Yeah, they, he would have known who Granddad was. He would have known the arguments that granddad and grandmom would have had. He would have saw it, I don't know, and if you make you got a better family, but there's knockdown, drag out fights and behind closed doors. We're all human. We're all in the flesh. There are things in our home that still go on today, but they saw the faithfulness. Yes, grandpa and grandma, they really duped it out today. But then they saw that big hug and that big kiss. They got it right. They made things right. They're in the house of God. In the house of God, yep. they saw two of them, granddad and another yep. member. Boy, they started at each other. They started arguing over something. They didn't know what it was. But all of a sudden, they saw them shake hands and get it right. Going yep. forward, they saw that battle. The battle's being lost. Yep. Moses' arms are falling down. Here comes grandpa and holds up his arm. Yep. But Elizio wanted to be a grandpa. He yep. wanted to do what his granddad was doing. And God is the one that called him now to do an insignificant job as well. He doesn't get the congratulation for his woodwork, for the working with gold, for the chiseling of the stone. But without all of that, and Belizeo, he was the one that manufactured the brazen altar. All of this was to God's honor and glory. The sacrificial system went on. Moses and the priests and all of the different courts of the priests that they went through and they did the jobs throughout the, the throughout the year. Those are the ones that are in the limelight, but no one knows the Bezalel. That What's his name again? Bezalel. There we go. Bezalel. Nobody knows that name, and we hardly know her's name today. You probably, how many people really understood who her was before we looked at this today? We only knew the name in the Bible, and we still don't know much, but we grasp these two good character traits that each of us can have today. Now it's Belizeel's turn, and his turn is to be used by God to build in detail the gold throughout the temple, chiseling the woodwork and all the stonework as well. What a blessing this had to be to her. One day we may hear of ourselves, well done, good and faithful servant. But when God, when this man hears, well done, thou good and faithful servant, is he going to rejoice? Remember, that's context of Philippians 2.16. He may get his crown of life for his faithfulness to serving God, but will he be rejoicing and have joy as you are not getting that well done, good and faithful servant one day. No doubt that her, her, her was greatly blessed. As it is in so many places in the Bible, children follow the footsteps of their fathers. When he came to the prodigal son, where did he find daddy? Where daddy always was. Your child may become a prodigal son or a prodigal child and leave this church, run with the world. If you leave this church, they're not going to have no to turn back to yep. But if they turn around and say, boy, daddy was there, yep. he was holding up the 
man's God. Yep. I got all the way down to eating the corn husk. My face was in the, the, the yep. big sty. The world is so abused yep. me. They've taken everything from me. Where do I turn for help? Daddy's not in the house of God anymore. Where do I That's go? Right. God couldn't keep him in the house of God. How's God going to get yep. me out of this? Big we are We are important. What we do in our faith when yep. we do our children, they are watching us today. We need to be faithfully following in the footsteps God has for us. Think about uh, young Jesus. When Jesus was young, what was he? What, when Jesus was young, not when he walked for three and a half years. When Jesus was young, how did they acknowledge who Jesus was? Let me tell you, Matthew thirteen fifty five. Is this not the carpenter's son? They recognize him by his daddy, his physical daddy. Mark 6 and verse number 3, is this not the carpenter? So now he was the carpenter's son, was the carpenter's son, but now he is a carpenter. What was he doing? Following in the footsteps of daddy. Yes, when it came to serving God and he was going to be in the ministry, that day came to serve God, he was following his heavenly father, but walking here on earth, he followed his father that was on this earth. Yep. Fathers, if we're going to run to the bar house, our children yep. are going to follow us to the bar yep. house. If, our, if we run to church, our children yep. run follow us to church. If we stay in church and they utterly blow it, they, they, they're so far off the wagon and so far in the gutter and they need help and they turn back to us, are they going to see us in church or the bar house or out That's the right. world? Yep. They're not going to run to daddy if he's not in the house of yep. God. But you serve God and what a great blessing this was to her. Jesus was known by the worker that he had became because he was faithful in following his earthly father. He was known as the carpenter's son. Then he was known as a carpenter. What a great honor. Now, service is not always honorable, is it? It's not honorable. It's, not, it's honorable to God, but it's not always honorable to us unless we get recognized. I put out the sign today, preacher. Here, hold on. Let me catch on the back real quick. It's the service isn't always honorable. Sometimes yep. it's muddy and it's dirty. It's nasty yep. getting down and doing the work. But it's not always honorable. But it is honorable service to God Almighty. Her was a def by definition. This is the definition of the word her. It means to diminish. To diminish. And that's exactly what he did. He served. He stepped back into the shadows. He served. He went back behind a curtain. He diminished himself. His job was not in the limelight. Like Aaron and Moses. Remember, Aaron and Aaron was lifting up the arms. Aaron was in the limelight. Moses was in the limelight. But no one knows anything about her. Because every time he served, he was gone again. He just disappeared. He was not in the, in the limelight. Yet without her, the Aaron's would have no place to minister. Second Chronicles 1 and verse 5. It says, Moreover, the brazen altar, that Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, had made... He put before the tabernacle of the Lord, and Solomon and the congregation sought unto it. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. He built the altar, but nobody knows it except that it's been recorded for us here today. It was then Solomon that went up. Solomon was seen like Moses was seen back in Exodus 17, and he was serving God, and he was offering the sacrifices unto God. But Bezaliel was equally tasked to these jobs of not getting any attention. Not any attention whatsoever. There are jobs that we need to do in the house of God. Yep. None that require any attention, yep. uh, any attention from us. In a sense, her was a clandestine agent. 
You know what that means? Secret service. <laughs> he came in, did his job, and disappeared. He was in, he was faithful to the service of God. He was wholehearted to the service of God. He was honorable to the service of God. He needed no visible praise. He needed no honor from man. He was just simply faithful to do what God called him to do. Because Ur was an honorable man, he's not found by Aaron's side later on. Look in Exodus 24. We'll wind it down with this. Remember, Ur was in the limelight. Moses, or excuse me, Aaron was in the limelight. Moses was in the limelight, but Ur was not. And now, Ur, because he was honorable, he's not found at Aaron's side when Israel decides to sin against God. If Ur was in the limelight, he may have been standing right side by side with them. Connecting the dots now. In our text, Ur exhibited the definition of his name. He just disappeared. He, he diminished. He steps out of nowhere, does the work of God, then disappears back in the shadows. When he is mentioned next, he is still by Moses' side. In Exodus 24, verse 14, Moses said, and this is Moses speaking, said unto the elders, Tarry ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. So before Moses goes up on the mount, he and Aaron and her are told to stay with the children of Israel. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto him. But the interesting thing is, the people knew who to go to when they wanted to have approval of their sin. Our children, when they want to get their way, they know who to go to. Yep. Mommy will say yes, or daddy will say yes. They know exactly who to go to when they want approval for whatever they want to do. Children of Israel were the same way. They knew who to go to, and that who to go to was not her. While Moses was getting instructions from God, and even setting up Aaron as a high priest, and look at 28 verse number 1, chapter 28 verse 1, it says, And take thou up unto thee Aaron thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So Moses is getting instruction from God up on the mount, and uh, now given Aaron the high priest's office, chapter 32 and verse 1, after an entire chapter, chapter number 28, 29, 30, um, it's all dedicated to the beauty of the Word of God, to the Ten Commandments, to even the dress that God had prepared for Aaron to wear as a priest. Just a few chapters later, as they're waiting on Moses, in chapter 32 and verse number 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto who? Aaron. Where's her? Not that herb was left there with them. But now they're going to the one to give approval unto them and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for, Mo for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we ought not what is become of him. The point is, they knew better than to bring their wicked request to honorable Ur. They weren't going to bring that sinful request unto them. Is it any wonder that we're losing moral battles in our churches today? Yep. All of the things, all of the men that should be up here holding forth the arms of the man of God. Holding forth those things. Battles are won when all of God's people are doing their part. When you are holding up the man's arms, Ur, or Ur and Aaron, and the soldiers are out doing the work, the battles are won for the honor and glory of God Almighty. We all have a gift and we all have a job to perform. Israel won when everybody obeyed. Joshua obeyed by putting together the soldiers. Moses obeyed by going up to the mount with his staff. Aaron and Ur obeyed when they helped Moses. Israel
Israel obeyed when they fought in the battle in Exodus 17, 13 and discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Everyone did the job that they had to do. When it came to sin and doing their own thing, they didn't go to Ur. Ur's characteristics were faithful and honorable and his church and the man of God that God put over you needs an Aaron, needs an Ur, needs two men up here to hold up his arms that are going to be faithful and to be honorable. And all of that is to lead you that you follow his faith. And the whole reason is that he is protecting your soul and he's protecting you from strange doctrines in this world. Moses now, he's not around, but honorable Ur, he avoided this whole situation where the children of Israel wanted to sin against God. And Israel then builds their golden calf. And when they build their golden calf, they're now sinning against God instead of following yep. after the man of God that yep. God put over them. Remember Moses, when he went to the mount, he left Aaron and Ur that the people should follow. They obviously refused to follow her because her request went on to Aaron. We'll conclude it right now. Most here can relate to her in some way. You can relate in some way. You're faithful. You're honorable. You're here today. You're in the house of God today. You are dedicated to serving God, though you may not need or not even looking for any recognition. You can be assured, though, if you don't have recognition, you're greatly appreciated. The man of God may not say it, but you ought to have one inside of you right now that's already saying, as you put that sign out, well done, good and faithful servant. One day we are going to hear when we meet our Savior face to face. But as you faithfully do your work, you're not doing it for this man. You're not doing it for this church. You're doing it for God. And as you serve God, you don't need the recognition. And Ur did not need the recognition. But let me be assured, you're greatly appreciated. You're greatly needed or the job would not get done. Your pastor's thankful for everyone who is involved in God's work so that this job can go forward of holding forth the Word of God. Some here have already, may have already thought about quitting. Maybe you thought, oh, I'm not getting the recognition. My pinky toe hurts. <laughs> no one's recognizing me today. You're thinking about quitting. Many others, they're not here today because they've already quit. They've already left the house of God. Let me say, you're not too unimportant and you're not too important for being in this church, you are exactly where God needs you to be. Yep. We just need to be faithful yep. and honorable yep. in the service of God. And this is what's holding forth the word of life today. Every one of you, you're vital to the work of God. If the devil's been trying to convince you that you're not important, don't listen to the devil. Amen. If the world's trying to tell you you don't need this, don't listen to the world. You listen to the Amen. Spirit of God that yep. should already be saying within you, well done, Amen. what a faithful servant. You came in, you ought to be so excited if the only thing that you do and you've been called to do is put up the chairs that you go back there. You're not, you don't have pride, but you're proud that you did it right. You line them things up right in our church. Uh, the person, I won't say who it is, but the person that puts out our chairs, uh, that, that job just seems to have fallen on them. If somebody comes into church early and puts up the chairs, oh, they get something ag agitated. Wait a minute, this one, this one starts on that square. Then this one goes on that square. Okay, and now if you've been in our church for any length of time, we have multiple chairs. We just got an oddball number of chairs. Some chairs have a high back. Some chairs have a low back. Well, and if, if someone comes in and sets up the chairs before this person gets in, then this person goes around and says, no, uh, a brother of so-and-so likes the high back chair, goes in, pulls the high back chair, and puts the high back chair in. Oh, no, this person likes this chair better. And the whole arrangement, when we're done, it is like so systematic. Everything looks like someone just architecturally designed those chairs. Because that person 
loves the job that they do. Someone else takes a look at it. They come in early. They're like, hey, let's hurry up and throw up the chairs. we got to sit down and listen to the preaching of the Word of God. But the person that sets up those chairs comes in and says, no, sorry, these are not set up right. This looks the odd. They're not lined up. By the way, this row here needs to shift over a little bit because this person sits here. They're a little bit taller, but this person is always ducking over. So this whole row gets shifted by half. So there is one row that's systematically out of order, but there's a purpose for it. And that whole purpose is because one person with such an insignificant job has taken it so to heart that God is saying, well done, good and faithful servant. They come in and it's not done right. They're agitated. This isn't done right. We've got to get this done right. And all of a sudden, I look at it and I'm like, they're just chairs. <laughs> they're only chairs. Same thing with the sign. Whatever the job might be, your job is not insignificant. You, when you're done your job, you ought to sit back and say, not pride, but you're feeling the Spirit of God inside of you saying, well done. You line that up right. So-and-so is going to be here. He's got a bad back and he enjoys coming because you got his chair right. So-and-so likes sitting right there because you adjusted the chairs and he can see the preaching because the person that always sits in front of them is taller and they're shorter. You, you know the job that God has for you. Do it wholeheartedly, faithfully, honorably unto God. You've got a job. Don't let the devil ever tell you it's insignificant. Amen. Don't let the devil ever tell you somebody else can put the chairs up. Don't let the devil ever tell you somebody else can put out the sign. Because God has called you to yep. an insignificant job. He's called you to be clandestine. Slip into the corner. Go into the shadows. Get the job done and disappear like Ur has done. The battle's not over. The battle's not over. Let's leave here today renewed in the Spirit of God. Renewed together, holding forth the word of life together. Let's leave here ready and willing to be faithful and honorable unto God and the service of God, no matter what job He has called us to do. Let's leave us leave here today with our hands held high, like Ur's were until the going down of the sun, wholeheartedly serving God to the very end. Let us leave here heartfelt and preparing the next generation of Ur's, the little Bazaleos that are running around here today that's watching Mommy, Daddy, Pastor, Ur, Aaron, piano player, person that sets up the coffee, person that sets up the sound system. These little guys are watching you. They're watching you now. You are preparing them by doing nothing more than being faithful and honorable in the job that God has called you to do. We need men and women, church members, young and old, who exhibit these godly characters. Understand, though, if we are not faithful and we are not honorable, then exactly what happened to Israel will happen. Amalek will start to win the battle. The enemy is going to start to win the battle. A few chapters later, in Exodus chapter number 32, sin enters into the camp. Her, honorable and faithful, we wanted nothing to do with it. He couldn't convince the children of Israel not to sin, so they ran to Aaron. And if you are not faithful where you need to be, Aaron and the Aaron's are going to win over. We can have all the excuses in the world, but sin is going to win, just as Israel excused their idol worship. You're here today, but are you really here today? Yep. You're sitting here in a chair today, but is your heart here today? Have you been faithful? Have you been honorable? Told you I'd be an hour. we got four more minutes. That hour just seems to go quick. My church loves to preach. I love teaching Another and preaching. <laughs> I trust that it's filled your soul up today. God's yeah. given good illustrations. Two points real quick, and we're done. Our ers holding forth hands were faithful, and ers holding forth hands were honorable. Let's leave here being faithful and honorable for the Lord, serving God under the ministry.
command God puts you under, whether you agree with it or not, if God puts you here, get under his arms and go forth, holding forth the word of life with him. Let's all stand, we'll bow our heads, close our eyes, go to the word of prayer. I really didn't want to take an hour, but God did it for us, and I trust that it has filled your soul, backed up the dump truck, unloaded it. Let's walk out of here encouraged as you play your games today. You've got somebody holding forth a staff today. Where's your leaders at? Hold up that staff.